Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, welcome back. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, hanging out with you here live in the Prop Swap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio on a Monday. Houston and Oregon State right now is live, and Houston out to a nice little lead here, 10-4, six minutes into the first half. Uh, right now, the live number, I told you it was eight in favor of Houston before tip-off. It's now up to 10 and a half or 11 and a half some places. So if you still feel like there's uh, plenty of time left and you liked Oregon State to begin with, that's a nice little number there uh, for you live if you want to go that direction. But I don't think our next guest here has any action on this game. He's uh, you know, he's not too into college hoops. I think he I think he's turning it on uh, once the final four is set. John McMullen, he joins me every night right here on the fix at 730. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen, Phillyvoice.com, SI.com, host of Extending the Play right here on 1490, Saturdays at 10 a.m. And coming soon, right, John? Birds 365. Yeah, Birds 365. We are at one week in county. Next Monday, the first episode will be in the can, hopefully. You know, I had a vaccine today, so who knows what happens. <laughs> ah, all right. So you got the uh, part one of the, the vaccination today, huh? Part one, which I don't like to publicize, so I don't know why I said that, because I can't stand when everybody goes on social media and uh, puts their card up and shames people and, you know, do what <laughs> you, you want. That's what I say. You didn't post your sticker, John? You got vaccinated? I did not. <laughs> Did not post my sticker. Get a card. You get a card. Right. Okay. Which is interesting. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of scandal at some point where somebody steals these stupid cards. Boy, uh-huh. we've gone off on the tangent really quickly. Yeah, we have. It escalated quickly. All right, let's get it back on the rails. <laughs> uh, um, all right, let's. I mean, we're going to get into plenty of the updates surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, but I have to start with this. I mean, everyone has lost their minds over this Wilson Pro Day, and it's just, it's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yes, it is. What's more, I, boy, I'll tell you, if I read a, uh, another 4 4, uh, what a, what a, you know, I joked on Twitter the other day great athlete shows great athleticism. Wow. What do you expect? I mean, I I, I don't. Uh, I mean, look, he's thrown against air. Uh, we all know. I, my favorite was Johnny Manziel because that was just, you know, he had the broom out and everybody was raving. About I'm like, come on. In a lot of ways, you know, because you think about this unique year and we're just talking about vaccines. We've just been through this terrible pandemic there were you know obviously no off-season work we've talked about it uh, a ton guys opted out left and right in college football some some place that didn't even play 
other places started late. Um, and so many big name players, you know, said, heck, if something happened midway through the season, they said, I'm done. I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft. And what they do is there's this cottage industry now where you have these training facilities that prepare people for the NFL combine, NFL, obviously, level athletes. So they're actually spending their time training for three cones and, and shuttle drills and, and the 40-yard uh, uh, dash instead of, you know, I don't know, practicing football. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this shakes out because you had so many, you know, one of them today, you know, Gregory Rousseau, the the Miami pass rush. I mean, there's so, there's been so many players that just said, um, I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft and there's not much film on them. So it's going to be interesting to see how scouts and personnel people handle. I like that, John. And, and here's why, because, well, number one, let me ask you this. All right. There is way too much hype. We know on social media and from the fans about, you know, pro days and guys in, in t-shirts and shorts throwing with, with no opponents, you know, no defenders, no pass rush, maybe a stupid question, but, the the teams and NFL scouts they're not looking at it as intensely uh, with the same amount of importance as the fans are right because this has gained a ton of traction over the past ten years it hasn't always been like this but have teams you know up their ante with this so to speak too no I, I don't think so I I talked to a lot of scouts over the years when the when there was a combine and they said you know it's about you know, it's it's goofy to put percentages on things, but you know how NFL people are. So they would say, like, it's 80% film. And, you know, you have to reach a certain level of athleticism to be an NFL player. And once you hit that bar, they sort of go to the film and, and sort of rely on that. However, there's that's what I'm saying. There's not a ton of film for certain players. And sometimes there's only a year. Uh, because they opted out or they didn't want to play, so it, it from that standpoint it becomes more difficult. It's you know more. It's already difficult to evaluate. It's easy to see what somebody did. The the trick is to uh, say what are they going to do, and that's where the projection uh, is, is the big part of this, and that's the trick. So it does make it more difficult. I will say that. But now what what most NFL teams do is. And now they have, obviously, easier ways to put together the data. So they look at successful players at each position and look at what they did at the combine or their pro days and say, okay, this is what you need to be successful at this position. That's generally how they do it, but that's all 32 teams. So I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. But one thing, and I wanted to bring this up with you, Ryan, because – you know, it is sort of a new, and I think the best example of this is, is Ben Simmons with the Sixers. And, you know, every off season you would have those social media posts about him practicing and hitting threes and practice, and everybody would get so excited. And then he shows up and he doesn't shoot threes. 
Like I, I, I'm thinking to myself the other day, Jalen Hurts is is a new generation type of athlete. He's social media savvy. He's always posting videos of himself working out. And I admit, I'm pretty impressed. But should I be? You know, are they just doing this because they're marketing people, their agents tell them, because this is what you're supposed to do. Like, it's a, it's a murky sort of scene. Yeah, the, I mean, it, it's a it's a great question slash topic, and the answer is should you be? The answer is no. I, I mean, you you're allowed to get excited, but you can't look at those videos as like the truth, as that is evidence of evolution or what's to come on game day. I used to say that about, say that about these Ben Simmons videos. I would say, this is awesome. It's great to see. But I haven't seen it yet in the game. Like, we cannot look at what these guys post for their quote-unquote brand and say, this is the guy we're going to get come Sunday, come tip-off, whatever it may be. Because there's there's a lot of different aspects now to the modern-day professional athlete. They are now a brand. They know it. The representation knows it. So you can't look at Ben Simmons in a YMCA empty gym and say he's going to be the next Reggie Miller. He can't. Yeah, and, and I think I kind of caught myself because I've been saying, you know, one thing, and it's not, it's that for most because, you know, talking to people outside, everyone has indicated that by no means am I trying to take a shot at Jalen Harris because everyone says he's a hard worker um, and he does do everything he needs to do. That's one thing even the old coaching staff said is he was always, um, Staying after, he was always grabbing coaches. He was always walking in the coaches' offices trying to get better. So that's the kind of part I lean on. But then you get the videos, and, you know, people get excited about them. And it just hit me the other day. It really did. It was a couple days ago. And I said, you know what? This is what you're supposed to do now. So I'm not, (laughs) you know, I'm not as impressed by that stuff you know, when that clicked for me, it, it is a brand. It is a, you know, a marketing thing. And that's part of it. Uh, now, again, I, I think from his standpoint, I think he's a hard worker. Um, so, but I don't think he's a hard worker because of videos posted on Twitter is what right. I'm trying to say. Right. No, he's, you know, if he was, you know, the 20 years ago athlete, he would still be a hard worker. It's in his DNA. I, I get what you're saying completely, but here's like, here's the bottom line. This is something that can't be simulated. This is something that no one can really practice for. Well, you can, but it's not on the field. It's how do these guys react when bleep hits the fan? So how does Jalen Hurts react when the city of Philadelphia is calling for his head when they're sick of him? Like Carson Wentz, he was a hard worker. He was an MVP. All of a sudden things got tough. And I know there were some things that weren't his fault, but overall, he couldn't handle the heat. You know, so those are the things that when when the tough gets going, what happens? Yeah, you never know. Um, And you're right. And I think that's where we are at quarterback for the Eagles, because I think you can't make the same assessment. Like, um, you know, I think Jeffrey Lurie's are almost going in that direction, like, He's acknowledging we made a mistake by screwing with the psyche of Carson Wentz. And 
I think they did, and I think they did make a mistake. So that part of it is good. But I think the assumption that everyone has the same personality and everybody's going to act the same way, I don't think is good. Because I think Jalen Hurts, and he's already been through it at Alabama, um, doesn't have the same personality. I, I don't think, in other words, he's not going to be affected if you bring in a quarterback at number six overall. He's going to go out and compete. Um, that's just the way he is. Uh, so I think the Eagles kind of overcorrected and said, well, we can't do that because then we'll mess up Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't. I just don't agree with that. And one more. And and and, and the yeah. second part is obviously, Wentz was the guy with a high level top five skill set, whereas in theory, if you've got a quarterback this time around, that's the guy with the high level skill set. And Jalen's a second round. That's again, that's just reality. He doesn't have that type of base skill set. And and I look at. Um, Carter Hart for the Philadelphia Flyers. And just bear with me for a second, because I remember being on another platform and we were saying, man, it's time to call up Carter Hart. And one thing that a lot of people pointed to, um, giving him credit, was he has and had a sports psychologist and he talked about it. He said, listen, I want to make sure I'm mentally tough. I've struggled when I was younger. And as I get ready to become a pro, I want to work on the mental aspect of it as well. And you look at him now and he is, he is really struggling, but I bring that example up because how do these teams maybe try and gather research to figure out who is mentally tough? I mean, it's probably near impossible, but I'm curious. It is impossible, and that's one of the biggest things. You always, and it's become a cliche, and people laugh at it. I chuckled at it. You know, you always hear coaches saying, "We want guys who love ball." Nick Sirianni was out there. We made fun of him. Love ball. We got to get guys who love ball. Um, you know, you do basically. Uh, the question is, how do you find that? Remember, you know, there's guys. Obviously, you could make a lot of money. There are guys who, you know, would probably prefer tight ends. You know, you think about an NFL-level tight end. You know, a lot of those guys wanted to play basketball, and they got too big, or they got, you know, something else. And they said, you know what? You've probably got a better chance to go in a different direction. Uh, In a much tougher sport from a physical standpoint, you can get hurt, you can get injured, you don't make as much money. Um, so a lot of guys don't love ball and a lot of guys do this because they're physically equipped to do it and they make a lot of money and there's no other avenue for them to do it. And those are the kind of guys that sort of flame out really, really quickly. And then you have other people who do love the sport and go above and beyond and do all that. But, you know, how do, how do you decipher between the two when, and I always, you know, try to tell fans, think of it from your own perspective. When you have a job interview, what do you do? You put your best foot forward. I mean, he, he, even the best of us, we might not lie. We might not even embellish. But you're only pointing out your good characteristics 
unless you're a moron and say, no, I stink at this, <laughs> I stink at this, I don't really like doing this. That's the same thing for NFL players. They're going through this whole process now. They're not going to say, I don't love football. I don't feel like working. I don't feel like doing this 24-7. I only do this because I'm, I'm gifted and I can make money. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's volunteering that. No. That's, that's why it's so hard. I mean, what what's the most important department if you're starting a fortune if not starting if you have a fortune 500 company you know or whatever it is i would say the most important department it's marketing of course but 1a 1b human resources like you need the right employees and your 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 human resources department can't just receive a resume and trust that it's all accurate or not call the references like that's and i look at that the same as the NFL scouting departments, like some people are really good in it, at interviews. So are you going to sit down with a player and just take him for his word? Or are you going to investigate what time did he arrive in the weight room on days off? Was he ever in the facility? Like, you know, like those are the things that you really have to dig deep and, and try and find out. Yeah. And that's, the you know, people ask with the movie again, draft day with Kevin Costner. Uh, and, and there was the one scene where, you know, the projected number one overall pick, nobody went to his 21st birthday party because they didn't like him. And he was a quarterback. And, it, you know, it's very Hollywood-ish. It's very silly. But that's the kind of thing where, yeah, the ad- a- analytics people will chuckle at and say, oh, he's just an old-school idiot. And hey, Guess what? If you're a quarterback and nobody likes you, and I'm not going to say nobody didn't like Carson Wentz because plenty of people did, but you saw it on a much lesser degree. There were some people who alienated. So how do you figure that out? It's not easy. And that's why you see the goofy questions occasionally. And you'll see how people react. And that's sort of what you try to throw somebody a curveball. Now, a lot of these questions where teams have gotten in trouble before asking players if they were, uh, you know, heterosexual or not, you can't do that anymore. You could do that many years ago. Uh, that's why they would ask these questions. Right, just to, to, to try and rattle them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's, certainly, it's certainly not a science, but... Uh, it, it does, if you can get somebody off, because these players today are over-prepared. We just talked about it. From a physical standpoint, they're actually training for these drills. Years ago, when the NFL Combine really started, first started to become a thing, guys would just show up. And you knew it was real. Like, if somebody was fast, Deion Sanders, he was fast compared to other football players, because he wasn't sitting at an Exos training facility training for six weeks to run a 40. He just went out and ran a 40. Now, he did his normal training. I'm not saying he's out smoking cigarettes, but he he did just (laughs) his normal work and then showed up and did the combine. Now you have guys specifically over-preparing not only for the physical stuff, but 
for the other stuff as well, whether it's the Wonderlic test or whether it's the interviews. They're all getting prepped by their agents and their marketing people. So everybody's over-prepared, and you're getting that, that sort of finished product that's been polished by people behind the scenes. So in a lot of ways, it's even more difficult now than it's ever been. Uh, we're going to get your thoughts again on what the Eagles could potentially do at 12. We'll, we'll get into that in about five minutes or so. Um, but I want to bring this up as well because I just think we're having a, a good little interesting conversation here. Bill Belichick, this is an article from a couple years ago from businessinsider.com. And it says, it points out Bill Belichick's four keys to drafting players. Number one, he's always about building a team. He's not trying to collect talent. Two, uh, it's all about not falling in love with a player. Uh, He's always looking at value. Three, the draft room always has to be very small. And four, he only wants to coach people slash players that he likes. It sounds simple, but I don't think many people are, are going about it that way. No, I, I, I think people are shocked. In fact, the Patriots are the one team, it was a couple of years ago, where their draft board for the entire draft, the entire draft was 75 players deep. That's the only players they were going to draft. They cut it down to 75 players. And if you weren't on that list, they were just going to trade out wherever, uh, and they just weren't going to take a, 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 a guy that they didn't want. Now, most teams whittle it down to about 150 is about the average, maybe a little bit less. Um, but that's how, that's how fine-tuned it was for that organization uh, at, at their height. Uh, they don't get down to that number every year, um, but – I mean, there's so many players that teams aren't even considering. So you'll see all these draft guides come out this week. You'll see all these draft websites, 400 players. There's not an NFL team in the world that has 400 players on their board. For that reason, those reasons you just kind of said about. And you mentioned 12 with the Eagles and Howie Roseman. I wrote about this on Philly Voice. Valuation, valuation of, of the positions you feel are are worthy of that spot. And the history of the Eagles tells you all that, and I encourage everybody to read that article because it, it look at the top 10 picks the Eagles have had since 1999 and even the top half of the draft, so 16 or above. It's quarterback, it's offensive line, it's defensive line. So everybody's running with their, you know, head cut off. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. Eagles aren't taking a tight end at six, period. End of sentence. <laughs> um, let's, let's get into that article a little bit as we'll transition to uh, the 12th overall pick with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you, you can just kind of take the wheel here, wheel here for a second. Uh, some names that they're looking at, your thoughts on – value and who would be the best pick given the positions that they need the most, like, uh, and everything else that you maybe mentioned in the article. Yeah, I, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see who, who falls. It's, it's a, if a Devonte Smith or, or even a Jalen Waddle is there. I, I do want to see how that shakes out. 
Uh, because, and again, I, I went through it every time the Eagles have picked 16 or above in the past 21 years, which is really the beginning of the DNA of this organization. Uh, that's why that's why I started there, because that's when Andy got here, and that's when they inserted this belief system. So even if you go, I mentioned the top 10 picks before. It was Donovan McNabb, uh, Corey Simon, who was a defensive tackle, Wayne Johnson, obviously, and Carson Wentz. That's it. So I haven't drafted that high because they've been pretty good for the majority of the year. So you can say, well, that's not a huge sample size. Well, then you go to 16 or above, so top half of the draft. It's the Robert Bunkleys of the world. Uh, uh, and, and more recently, obviously, they've hit on players like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Grant. Derek Barnett at 14 is another example. Um, Sean Andrews. Uh, always offensive, defensive line. When they're up that high, they pick the positions they value, and that's what Bill Belichick was talking about. So the first thing I start at, at defensive tackle, and again, I go, I, excuse me, uh, defensive line, offensive line. It's obviously not going to be quarter, quarterback. Uh, and then I looked at what Andy said in his interview that Joe Banner always says. And what did Andy Reid say? He said, give me a quarterback, two pass rushers, two tackles, offensive tackles, two cornerbacks, and I'll figure out the rest. Yeah. So that tells that should tell everybody what they need. It's going to be offensive line, defensive line, or cornerback. So offensive line, defensive line, or quarterback, and they essentially eliminate a quarterback because they're thinking. Well, I say, oh, or corner. Oh, corner. corner sorry, back. sorry. Yeah, corner. And and I'll I'll still throw this out there. They eliminate a quarterback because. Yeah. They say we'll we'll go with one of those other needs and acquire more assets to potentially put us in a better position next year for a quarterback, right? Well, no, they they eliminated quarterback because they couldn't get the quarterback they wanted, and they knew there was a firewall, and that's Zach Wilson. That well, I, and I should say, obviously, Trevor Lawrence doesn't enter this conversation because they knew everybody knows they can't get Trevor Lawrence, so everybody wants Trevor Lawrence. Nobody can get Trevor Lawrence. So we put him aside. After that, it's Zach Wilson. Um, the Eagles probably couldn't have gotten him anyway because the Jets are going to probably take him a number two. But there was at least a thought that maybe the Jets might take Sewell. Uh, maybe they go in a different direction. Then you start talking about can we get up to number three? Obviously, Miami wanted out because they trade out. And, and San Francisco got up there to take the quarterback. And that was the firewall. Because even though San Francisco knows they're not getting Zach Wilson, if the Jets do something else, that's the player they take. So that's the firewall. The Eagles can't get them. The Eagles knew they couldn't get them. Didn't feel comfortable. I've said since day one, it's always about evaluation. So they don't feel comfortable with Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and they move back. That's, that's why they move back. Because the fireball was there. Well, a guy like Jamar Chase, when is he going to get selected in your mind? Uh, he, he, he's going to go probably as early as five. Um, 
But, yeah, I mean, people are going to get angry because there's a, a, a really good chance that when we're sitting there on draft night that Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are going to both be there at six. And it goes back to what I told you with Kyle Pitts, period. They're not taking that position at six. They're not taking a wide receiver at six. And they're certainly not taking a receiver after two years where they've taken receivers with premium picks. Now, I, I understand what everyone's going to say. Those guys aren't any good. Chase is great. A, you don't know that. B, you're probably right. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, but you don't know that. And we've seen bigger can't misses than that miss. Uh, but it but it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with what you just brought up with Bill Belichick, and that's the valuation of the position. It is not a position that you take at six in the draft, according to the Philadelphia Eagles. And to be honest, if you're going to be fair, they've been more successful than most organizations. And I think the best example of this is probably Calvin Johnson. And the, and, and the reason why, because Calvin was picked number two overall. You're not getting a better receiver than Calvin Johnson, unless you're getting Jerry Rice or Randy Moss. Jamar Chase isn't better. Insert name isn't better, period. You're not getting a better receiver than Calvin Johnson. He was phenomenal. And what did he do for the Detroit Lions? And that's not Calvin Johnson's fault yeah. because it's their job to build up the other positions. They weren't able to do that. The point I'm trying to make is there's only so much impact you can have on a game as a receiver. By the nature of the position, you need a vehicle to get you to football, number one. And number two, no matter even if you are Jerry Rice or Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson, and, and you're having one of your best games, what are you going to touch it? 10, 12 times? The valuation isn't there. It's an interesting conversation, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow and throughout the week. And, John, we only have about a minute or so left, but um, something we have to get to before you leave us here is the 17-game regular season schedule and everything else that could be in the works um, for a change as early as this upcoming season, what do you know? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to happen, uh, no question about that. And and that was pretty much uh, put into the new CBA when uh, the new TV deals were were going to come into existence. Uh, there was going to be some uh, media kickers, as they call it, that would insert that 17th game. Um, the NFLPA is going to you know, claim victory by lopping off one preseason game. So uh, in the theory from their standpoint, as the injuries uh, uh, statistics show, there are more injuries in preseason than regular season. But we all knew this was going to happen. They, they were eventually going to get there. And this is the year, 2021, 17 games. Get used to it. So more unbalanced. <laughs> 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 the NFL schedule is already incredibly unbalanced now it even gets more unbalanced because you have to talk about 
one year, one conference is going to have home games one year. The next conference is going to have home games. So you're going to have that advantage baked in. You're going to have international games. It's, it's going to be crazy. We'll get some more of that tomorrow night right here at 7.30 with our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen, every night at 7.30. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. All right, John, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ron. Yep, thank you. There he is, Johnny Mack. All right, let's get to a break. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 